The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to the second part of our conversation about blockchains with William Mogayar. The first step in, into this, this new world uh, might be in in starting to use it from a financial sense, uh, from instead of using the banks for everything, uh, why not have some of your uh, money uh, on a blockchain exchange and a wallet? Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia falco well, let's talk about the application the whole thing really started, and that is digital currencies and the crypto economy. First of all, if I say crypto economy to many people, it doesn't really mean anything. Can you, can you tell us how really the financial sector and digital money could not only uh, be conducive to generating con you know, that, that um, user agreement, that, that, that feeling, that agreement and adoption, and also how, how the entire supply chain then has to develop in order for us to yeah make it mainstream well you have to think of it as a new as a new world in the same way that um, again back to the internet days uh, 20 25 years ago we didn't think of the internet as a market uh, at the beginning email was the uh, first application and then e-commerce came and then financial transactions it became a market it became a market where wealth uh, was being created in that market and the blockchain is another market that is just still very small today and it's really about transactions so the first step in into this this new world uh, might be in in starting to use it from a financial sense, uh, from instead of using the banks for everything, uh, why not have some of your uh, money uh, on a blockchain exchange and a wallet? Try to start to experiment with this new way of sending and receiving money. And then eventually we're going to have a lot of applications uh, that are going to come in on top of this. One of these applications is going to be, uh, you've probably heard of the uh, world of tokens. Uh, and a token is just a cryptocurrency with a purpose. It's just another way of, of earning, think of it like uh, loyalty points. Uh, we all earn loyalty points, whether we travel, uh, whether we go to a shopping place or uh, 
any transaction we we uh, we we have with our current uh, suppliers, we we earn loyalty points, um, but uh, they are not interchangeable, and typically you have to use them within the confines of that company. But what if we receive uh, these points in terms of uh, more valuable uh, money that you can use across com across uh, different places? And and that is the other promise of the blockchain is to have us all uh, earn these tokens uh, because of maybe work we are doing. We all spend lots of time online. Uh, we um, share our data. Uh, we share our knowledge. Yeah. Uh, but we don't get anything back in return. Uh, what the blockchain applications promise to do is is to allow us to earn these tokens uh, and, and to create a market for them so that we can uh, benefit from this uh, this new wealth, basically, because our time is valuable and our data is valuable as well. Yeah, and I'm very much intrigued by that. And in our briefing call a week ago, William, we, we dug into it a little bit. And there really another penny dropped in my head when I thought, okay, I can tokenize Mentorate TV. You can tokenize even your book, okay? So one, one basically has a token that can be tradable and people may buy it for fiat. Uh, they might get it as loyalty points or they buy it once it's on the market because... You are doing extremely well, so your value goes up just like with shares. And my business is doing very well, so people buy the, the Metric TV token and it goes up. The back end is where I totally mis not misunderstood. I couldn't imagine. So, okay, will it be that much of a value in Mentorate TV or Mogollard token as, you know, my Swiss franc or your Canadian dollar? And there you said, well, listen, you always still have to go via the big fat digital currencies if i remember rightly and please correct me if i'm wrong is when you know i have mentory tv token that does work well i want to realize it into fiat but i have to go via bitcoin for example or bitcash or uh, eos or whatever the other more more used and traded and liquid cryptocurrencies are to then exchange into my fiat so it's like a middle step did i get that right Yes, right now the different pieces are not well interconnected. So the whole system looks like it's a bunch of uh, disconnected pieces. And that's why it's more difficult to put them all together. And it's kind of like the last, what you described is the last mile. Think of it, the last mile, which is critical. So yes, you have the Patricia currency or the WAM currency, but if you go to the store, if you go to buy a coffee, they are not going to accept it because it is not widespread. So I have to convert it to uh, maybe Bitcoin, maybe Ethereum, but most probably I have to convert it to a Swiss franc uh, or to a US or Canadian dollar. And yeah, I can do it, but I need a wallet and I have to jump through hoops. I have to have this kind of wallet. I have to do it. I have to, but it's not there right now yet. But the the application model exists already. So nothing prevents you from having a Patricia token so that now you've invited me on your show. But what if coming on your show required that somebody pays so many tokens to get on the show? And then uh, uh, maybe somebody uh, else wants to buy that time from you. And that creates demand uh, for this token. And um, it, then that creates a market.
so people can start to buy and sell uh, your token. And maybe there is more demand, the more viewers you have, the more appreciation that token could have. I mean, in the world of podcasting, you probably know one of the top, some of the top people like Joe Rogan, for example, he, he has, I don't know, a million viewers. Uh, yeah. uh, he, his token would be valued a lot more than my token or your token. <laughs> perhaps, we'll get sure. it. <laughs> but uh, in every segment, every niche has its own uh, usage. And imagine in, in the same way that we have multiple apps uh, that we rely on on a daily basis, uh, we may be in touch with multiple tokens on a daily basis uh, that we earn or that we spend. Uh, it could be via apps, via social apps. Uh, and, and there are many of them uh, that are emerging right now. And, and that's the future really. What the blockchain enables is this, this microtransaction uh, level types of value can now occur because the transaction costs are, are minimal. Uh, if, if I were to send you, um, maybe something is worth 10 cents or 15 cents, it doesn't make sense to go through the bank. It costs them a lot more to process 15 cents. Uh, but some of the blockchains, uh, the uh, transaction costs are very, very minimal. And you can send small amounts without incurring a lot of costs in between. Hmm. William, of course, COVID-19, let's circle that one in. And since the pandemic hit, we have moved our analog life, the touching, the meeting, the flying very much, uh, you know, onto Zoom as you and I are meeting. You're not visiting me in Zurich. I couldn't come to Canada, but we are together now. So all this data flow, uh, more and more line e-commerce, do you think this movement will actually be something that may boost the creation of blockchain and the user experience as well? The impact that COVID has on the blockchain or will have is the same as the impact that COVID has had on online shopping or online communication. Uh, look at how video conferencing companies like Zoom totally emerged as the winners of this uh, unfortunate situation. Uh, E-commerce companies are making a lot more money because we are going online to buy things instead of going to the store. And at the essence of the blockchain, it is about online transactions. It is about online financial transactions going back and forth between people and companies. So as a result of that, uh, there has been more activity uh, on the blockchain, but it is still the beginning. Uh, it, there has to be more. Uh, I know many of us have not gone to the bank as a result of COVID. So we start to force ourselves to use the blockchain to make transactions. And the, the issue here, it's about the, the pain, the pain required for somebody to, to make a change. And I keep saying this is that people, there's a psychological yeah. uh, phenomena that happens with people is that People are risk averse in the domain of gains, uh, but they are risk seeking in the domain of losses. So counterintuitive. So counterintuitive. Yeah, I mean, if you have a pain, if, if you have, if something is hurting, then for sure you will make a change. But if you are happy and somebody tells you, "Well, I have something that's a little bit better for you," you may not necessarily want to change it because you're happy where you are. But if somebody, if suddenly you cannot 
go to the store. So you have to go and use online more often. You have to buy things online, even if you did do it before. If you cannot go to the bank, uh, if you got hacked, God forbid, if, if somebody got hacked, for sure, they will start to reconsider their relationship with whoever hacked them, whether it's in, in retail uh, or, or another situation. So unfortunately, we, we live in a, and most of us live in a good life where we, we think that everything is fine. But the minute we start to get hurt, that is when the change will happen. Uh, again, to use a cliche, uh, revolutions uh, happen on an empty stomach. Yeah. Uh, when people are hungry, when people are, uh, are hurting, uh, when, when there, there is a, a problem, that's when the changes will happen. That's why in some countries where... Uh, the the money has been devaluated uh, week after week, like in Argentina uh, and in some places in Africa. Uh, consumers and people start to go and use the blockchain, the Bitcoin and stable coins, because that's better than seeing your money being devalued uh, 10% overnight. Absolutely. And I think cybersecurity is really something that we are all afraid of. Identity theft, etc., etc. So I think this is an ideal pain point for all of us to understand. And the more we put actually online simply because we can't move freely, um, you know, cybersecurity and having a system a technology that promises really to be incorruptible, immutable, and transparent to everybody at the same time, isn't that the obvious answer? I mean, for me, that is a perfect bridge, a perfect example to say, we are moving now into a different era, perhaps only for a while, but that long while needs to be protected as well. Here's the technology, this is how you apply it, and it will make you feel more secure and better. So there is all of a sudden a user experience. Yes, and this user experience has to become more mainstream right now. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the edges of the technology are very exciting, and I am really close to it uh, in areas, for example, like another big trend right now is what is called decentralized finance, decentralized finance. It, is also, it also has a cute name, DeFi, D-E-F-I, uh, as opposed to um, centralized finance or uh, uh, finance that is controlled by the banks. And uh, DeFi is very exciting, but at the same time, it is very geeky. It is very technical. It is for a niche of the population. It is not easy to use, and I would not recommend uh, it to for anybody in the mainstream, uh, it is, because it is risky, uh, and and uh, we are but we are really at the edges. And things start at the edges usually; uh, they start as uh, as toys or as uh, gimmicks, and but they get better. Uh, and and then we are uh, at the edges of experimentation uh, in the area of decentralized finance uh, to take the blockchain even further. Yeah, you were talking about earlier about mental blocks that also, you know, um, we often find mental blocks to innovation. But, you know, you do have parts of the world that embrace this new technology. They seem to be intellectually more curious or more open. You look at Asia, for example, where, you know, anything digital, digital money is almost mainstream. What's the difference? Why is there such a difference? Exactly. That's a good point. Thanks for reminding uh, us about this. So uh, the way I summarize, I, the way I kind of see it is that you have to be intellectually curious in order to, um, 
to see this new beginning, to see this 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 new world around the corner. And again, if you're happy and you don't want to change anything, you are not going to change. You are not going to spend extra hours in your day or in your week to try and understand this new technology because you're happy. But if you're not happy and if you are ambitious and if you want to get ahead, you will say to yourself, well, I want to spend time and invest my time in understanding this technology. And that is why in cases in, like in China, they are more intellectually curious than in many other Western countries uh, where many people that are my friends, uh, they are skeptical about the blockchain and they tell me, well, it doesn't solve a first world problem. I'm happy with my bank. I'm happy with my visa card. I'm happy with my financial institution. Why would I change? Not until the But, next financial crisis comes and nothing or next Ponzi scheme, Alan Madoff, and your own money is involved. And you know. Exactly. Wait until you get hacked or wait until you hear yeah. now of China be making uh, leapfrog movements uh, in this area. And then you're going to complain after how come they got there. It's because they were very intellectually curious uh, at the mainstream level. Uh, you need to spend time in understanding it. Uh, it's not going to be, it's not as easy as posting a photo on Instagram yet. If you're going to wait until it's as easy as posting a photo on the Instagram, Instagram you may have to wait five years. Uh, by that time, you'll be behind. And, and that is really uh, something that others have understood and, and others have not. Uh, you have to invest a little bit of time to find the things that you are comfortable with in pushing the envelope a little bit more. One of these uh, aspects is having a wallet. Everybody has a, a smartphone, right? Everybody has a smartphone. So in the same way that the browser was the gateway to the blockchain, yeah. in my opinion, the wallet uh, on the smartphone is going to be the gateway to the blockchain, to this new world. Um, so what I say to my friends is, you want to experience the blockchain, download the wallet and start to experience it that way and see how easy or difficult it is. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. And, you know, I made a comparison, and William, it might be totally wrong, between different wallets with different currencies or application of individual currencies and our credit cards. And I'm sure there was, first of all, going from real cash to electronic cash or to uh, credit cards or debit cards. It was like, oh, no, we can't trust it. This is plastic. This is not my money. I want my money. So I wonder, do you think, talking a little bit about the future before we wrap up our conversation, William, is this going to be that we will have various wallets one day, um, starting with one, of course, to just experiment and learn, to then make certain kind of transactions, whatever the currency applies to? Yes, in the future, we are going to become more comfortable with different types of currencies and wallets that exist within the applications that we are currently using. We already are used to applications. Already that was new. Ten years ago, we did not use as many applications on the mobile phone as we do today. Imagine if 
each one or some of these applications had one other drop down and then it would be wallet already some of them did that like steam it steam uh, had a wallet uh, there is a currency i'm involved with called kin kin uh, it exists in about 50 different social applications where there is a wallet inside of the app so you are earning and spending kin as a transaction facebook wants to do that uh, with the with the Libra uh, currency, uh, it's starting with WhatsApp. Well, now WhatsApp is a messaging app, but what if you had a currency in there so that it becomes as easy as sending a message to send money between people? So that's where it's going to start, but then it's going to add on to new applications. It's going to be part of the application experience well, without you knowing yeah, and it's like almost like an add-on. If I think about how much is running through WeChat in China, for example, it is not just you and I chatting privately, uh, you know, looking to get together for a glass of wine, but it is a promotional tool. It is a tool to really get some business, some customers, and, you know, adding some money to it would just perhaps complete the circle. Yeah, I mean, the analogy is uh, when you fly, like airline points, uh, it's kind of passive. You don't do anything. You just fly. They know you took the flight. And if you bother to go and check your points, it will be there. But it's really in the background. Not many people check it every day to see, oh, now I have so many points and so on. But with the apps, we use the apps more often than we fly, obviously. It becomes uh, more of a, of a daily thing or a weekly thing. And the wallets will become a little bit more at the front end of the application than on the back end. Uh, so there will be some things that we, that we earn money passively, we just do something automatically, it compounds. Uh, like I've shared my data, so I earned something. Or it could be something that is active. So I did spend five minutes here. I did spend 10 minutes here. I did write something for you. Uh, I did watch a video or I did something that was useful. Uh, I wrote a review for you. It's worth something and I earned it. And now I can spend it for something else. Uh, so we're going to be used to, to interacting more with this new money in new, these new use cases. And this brings us back to the transaction economy, to the crypto economy. Exactly. So imagine now this whole new world exists. And what is an economy? It's about people buying or companies buying and selling from each other. And that is really the new world that awaits us. And it's a world with many tokens, with many applications, uh, where we buy and sell uh, our services. And it's not just about money. Money is just one type of value. Value could be anything that is digital in this case, yeah. and it could be sent over uh, online. Yeah, no, and uh, I mean, we could talk so much longer also about, you know, how communities can use the idea of tokenizing whatever they're doing within, within their community, be it growing, make it more beautiful, or putting infrastructure in. William. Yes, that, that is the promise, uh, if I may say, <coughs> excuse me, uh, since you brought up the subject of the communities, that is the other promise of the blockchain, is to allow communities, people, to, to come together and, and maybe have their own token and have their own vision, have their own mission, have their own values, uh, have their own uh, goals and, and be able to come together and have some power and have some real actions behind them and, and allow them to, to be significant uh, because of that. And, and that is something that hasn't happened yet in the mainstream sense. It is happening slowly 
in with a, with small technical communities, very geeky, very technically orientated. Uh, but we haven't been able to bring this to the mainstream. And that is the promise of the blockchain is to allow communities to come together very quickly, to gel together and, and to have a powerful voice together uh, at the same time on the blockchain uh, going forward. Yeah, just like the social media does right now in a verbal kind of communicative sense. Excellent. William, last question, which I ask all of my guests on the show, is the key learnings, looking back, if you had to take me by the hand and say, listen, Patricia, these are the three key things you want to be considering if you want to really develop a little bit of curiosity for the sector because these are the benefits. What are the key three things you would say to me I should watch out for and embrace? In terms of the blockchain, going back to, to using it, you have to be more intellectually curious curious uh, if if you if this is not mainstream for you right now make an effort to read one blockchain article per day about the blockchain read like make it make an effort to read something about it second make an effort to to use a wallet to download a wallet uh, make an effort to put a little bit of money there whether it's 10 euros, 10 francs, 10 dollars, 15, 20, something small. And then thirdly, try to use it. Send it to a friend. Uh, send it to somebody uh, or see if you can buy something with it and see if it opens up your mind um, to this new world. Uh, because this new world is happening. Uh, it is happening slowly but gradually. And eventually, it is going to be mainstream. And intellectual curiosity. I mean, my tagline for Mentory TV is stay curious because as long as we are curious, we are certainly not being old and dead and we are still looking to develop ourselves and evolve. Well, listen, I want to leave, you know, our viewers with one line you quoted by John Cage, which I loved at the top of one of your, your chapters. I cannot understand why people are frightened of new ideas. I'm frightened of the old ones. William, that is so spot on. Thank you for putting that quote in. I love that. Thank you for having me, Patricia. And thank you very much again, my dear Mentory TV community. I hope sincerely you did enjoy my conversation with William Mugayar. Get his book. It is an eye-opener. It really is a good intro point. But first, intellectual curiosity is definitely the starting point of everything. See you soon. Bye. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.